You're listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 72. Welcome back. Finally, the suitcase is unpacked and sitting in the closet. (laughs) It's been quite a road trip. And while I was gone, before I took off, um, there's a procedure that I get done on my throat um, a couple of times a year. It's kind of this cutting edge little medical thing that eventually has a very positive impact on my vocal cords. But temporarily, there's uh, your horse for about three weeks, and we're kind of getting toward the end of that. It's coming back, coming back a little slower than last time, but we're getting there. So this podcast, I'm going to mostly step aside and let my buddy, Daniel Danovi, I may have mentioned Daniel in a couple of podcasts before, but Daniel and I have been friends for, I think, going on about six years now, and he said something to me. He had, Daniel had a couple of great, there, I've got a couple of Danielisms uh, that in my early period of this journey that really caused me to see things differently. One was a Facebook post that he put up. Daniel had, uh, he was doing a seminar down on an island in the Caribbean. I forget where it was. And he went down a couple of days before the seminar just to chill. And the picture was of him in a hammock on the beach. This hammock was between two trees, two, two tropical trees here on the beach. And he put, I created this. And I knew enough about his perspective to know exactly what he was saying is that that was something that was born in his mind and then manifested through the processes that we talk about here. But it was the first time for for somebody who always looked for something else outside himself to cause reality and to cause things to happen. That was a real turning point. Thank you, Daniel. Well, Daniel has a friend. He's an author, Tom Nehrer who is in town for a meeting that Daniel sponsors. And for those of you in the DFW area, the first Sunday of every month, Daniel uh, sponsors an organization called IONS. And we'll give you more information about IONS. And I will put information and a link to the ION group meetings on subconsciousmindmastery.com website under this podcast if you'd like to go grab that. If you're in the DFW area, you might mark your calendars. It's on meetup.com. It's a great group with very provocative conversation, always along a spiritual line. So Daniel is going to kind of take over with this and, and talk to Tom about his first book. So Tom's written three that we're going to be talking about in two podcasts In this podcast, we're going to talk about his first book, The Essence of Reality, and then toward the end, The Psyche Exposed. And this is all about the subconscious mind. So those of you who are subconscious mind junkies, here you go. We're going to crank it up because Tom Nehrer is going to share some processes as we get through this podcast. There are some processes here that will help show you how to identify, change, and adopt new beliefs. So it's a privilege now to kind of turn the microphones over a little bit here to my buddy, Daniel Danovi and Tom Nehrer. Well, Daniel, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I think we've been doing this podcast a little over two years and finally... Shake hands here, man. It is good to have you in the studio. It is finally nice to be here. <laughs> we've talked a lot about it over the years. We have indeed. And now we're, we've, we've manifested it. It's here. Awesome. And, um, awesome. Yep. So introduce your guest. Uh, we're here today with uh, Thomas Nair, who I first came in contact with in my mind through his book, Essence of Reality, uh, which is a systematic toolbox for looking at the inner workings of our subconscious and how that manifests in our day-to-day life and our reality, and specifically our problems as a gateway to looking at what we can shift and change uh, 
to create a life that works. Yeah, I think the uh, the, the key to all that is that uh, we're connected with the world. Each of us is uh, connected to the events and the flow of uh, relationships and events that constitute their lives. And mostly we're cut, up, cut off from that by the way we learn to see the world. Both science and religion, the two kind of core elements of our typical Western mindset, cut us off from the world. In religion, there's a God out there making things happen. In science, it's the whole world. It's uh, you know the government and nasty people and bad, uh, bad government and this sort of thing. Bacteria is all making things happen to you where actually you're connected. You attract patterns. And in my first book, in, in The Essence of Reality, I look at how to delve into the subconscious to find specific inner roots to those outer patterns that are problematic in your life. Uh, because you're connected, that's always the case. My first exposure to that was through a book by Leslie LeCrone, who talked about uh, his book. Was a, he was a pioneer in self-hypnosis. And his book, Self-Hypnotism, looked at the body-mind connection because that's the most obvious. That you, you, know, you inhabit your body. It seems you're connected with it. He talked about how uh, whatever ailments, whatever physical problems you were having, they always had inner components and specified some specific uh, elements within your mindset to look at, to, to change. Struggle, conflict, uh, suggestion of negative suggestion you pick up during childhood, punishment, where our parents generally tried to force us to be what they wanted us to be or what, was, what they deemed to be the right thing and would punish us if we were just being ourselves or would motivate us to be, but with reward, to be what they wanted us to be. Well, even that introduces struggle and conflict because you really want to be what you want to be. You know, each of us has a, uh, a feeling and a, a tendency to be a certain thing. So in any case, in, in EOR, The Essence of Reality, I look at uh, the specific inner elements and give you some tools, self-hypnosis, um, dream analysis, meditation, and idiomotor responses where you can query the subconscious for specifics because you need to find out what you hold within your mindset before you can change it. So that's what I look at in my first book, and that's the one you've read. So I think that was your first exposure to my kind of worldview. Exactly. <laughs> uh, who would you say is that book for? I, uh... Everybody whose mind is open enough to consider what they have been taught previously as not quite accurate. Uh, the world does tend to break down into open and closed-minded people. And your mind can close around any particular set of beliefs or definitions. Uh, things that you learned when you grew up tend to become solidified in what you could call a belief structure. You, you learn to see the world like your parents and your culture teach you. Some people question that. When I was a kid, and as from our little discussion uh, last night, you, you were the same way. Some people question things that they're told just inherently. Other people simply absorb it. This becomes part of their belief structure. The difficulty is that you interpret the world through that belief structure. So if you think there's a God making things happen, that's how it looks. If you think luck is a, f a factor of reality, that's how you interpret it. If you think... Uh, Science is the only explanation for how the world works. You will see agents for causality in the real world. So the way to understand life and kind of the gist of all of my books is 
the way to really understand what's going on in life is to get rid of old beliefs, don't add new ones. Uh, this is also an interesting point we didn't didn't talk about last night, but it's worthy of note that as our Western culture grew from, uh, let's say, 2,000 years ago at the time of Jesus, virtually everybody on the face of the earth believed that the gods and evil spirits and the spirit world was causal, that they made things happen. People had very little self-motivation because they didn't feel that they were powerful enough to make things happen. They attributed all causality to the gods. We don't now. Uh, some still do, but they even with that, with science uh, started to emerge around 1600, we now attribute causality to other real-world forces and sources. But we also carry over these ancient notions of luck and fortune. Remember we talked last night about the word unfortunately or fortunately comes from fortuna. That was an old uh, Greco-Roman god for uh, whimsical events. that just they, She plastered it on you and you had to try to work your way through it. So, just for the fun of it. Just for the fun of it, <laughs> you know, for the whatever enjoyment that God could get out of pestering you. Uh, well, those are all part of our Western mindset. And until you go in and start to clear them away, uh, you'll interpret the world through that and come to the conclusion that um, whatever you believe in is accurate. When it isn't, it just appears that way to you. I, I completely agree. In my private work with clients in uh, in coaching, um, one of the things that I need to do first is to, I guess, engage people that it's not, they're not broken. Like the, people come up against the wall or some aspect of their life doesn't work and they think they're broke. Like something in them doesn't work and they never think about it. it's just my mindset or just the belief structure that I'm utilizing. And I see that's where the real value is in your book in giving them the tools to st- to take a look at just one little aspect of their life that isn't working and begin there. Yeah, and go from there. Once you see, I think one of the very early things that I started to look at when I got this book by Lacrone and started to look at the body-mind connection, I had a twitching foot. I don't know what they call it, kicking foot, where if I was sitting kind of relaxing, doing nothing, my foot was bouncing up and down. And I've seen, I think a lot of people have that. I think there's a technical name for it. I don't know what it is. But I thought, well, geez, okay, if the body and mind are connected, there must be a reason for that. So I started to use some of the tools of self-hypnosis and so forth and looked into my subconscious. And here, uh, what it was was a a latent uh, ill ease that I had because I had an older brother who picked on me. I hope he doesn't happen to ever listen to this podcast, but he picked on me. So I was always um, kind of leery if I was alone. Now, if my mother were there... I was safe, so I was relaxed. However, at this point in time, my mother had died. Now, I lived in San Diego at that point, and Roger was back in Pennsylvania, so he wasn't, wouldn't be an immediate threat. But to the subconscious, the subconscious is timeless and immediate and holds values, and it doesn't care about things like distance. So my mother was gone. I knew that. I was always under threat of my big brother. Once I realized that, and uh, the the solution is, once you understand the connection, the inner-outer connection, and, and know the inner roots, you rewrite the subconscious. You kind of wipe out the old uh, flawed idea and r- put in a new one. I can see very clearly that my brother isn't a threat. I can see that uh, that this nervous twitch is not necessary. I release that idea. I leave it in the past. 
And within a couple of days, I, the twitching foot went away. That was a simple, direct thing. And I got into much more complicated things, uh, recurring colds. I, I played a lot of volleyball back then. I was always hurting my shoulders, spra- uh, spraining an ankle, um, various uh, ailments, allergies. You, it all was rooted within. So uh, that's what I then later launched off. Lacrone only looked at the body-mind connection. But we're connected, as I later came to see, with all things. So that relationships, I was uh, always having difficulty with relationships. It's <laughs> At the time, I was separated from, uh, there was a period when I was separated from my then wife and took up with an old girlfriend from high school. And I was astounded to realize that both Christine, well, let's leave names out. Both my <laughs> Lady A and Lady B had exactly the same issues. I thought, well, geez, wow, maybe it isn't either of them. Maybe it's me. Hmm. And found the same mechanisms, the same inner struggle, uh, conflict, and uh, and so forth, tied up in the relationship issue. Uh, and, of course, it goes on from there because your work issue, your ability to succeed in life, it all stems from within. So that that kind of got me into the whole full picture. This is Tom Nehrer, and the book is called Essence of Reality, at least the one that we're talking about right now, and Daniel Dano V. I wanted to ask you now, Tom, how, what can you tell us about how you unwrap those beliefs? So you, you find the initial uh, area that you want to explore, and now we're going to unwrap the beliefs. How much can you tell us? And then obviously there's some in the book, so let's start well, the process. Let me mention that my website has an awful lot on it. Many... A great deal of my purpose here is uh, to spread a uh, recognition of the connection we have in life to other people. I'm not out to make a bunch of money. It it seems like in the realm of consciousness, spirituality, body, mind, spirit, and all that, people get a little bit of enlightenment and go out and try to make a lot of money off it. I would suggest people, my website is nehrer.net, N-E-H-R-E-R dot N-E-T. It's always free. It has a lot of content on it, a lot of questions people asked over time and links to other things that are of use. Uh, I do sell books, and that helps to kind of pay for the my travels around to give talks. I've probably given 200 talks to open-minded groups, and my publisher's British, so that includes England. But my purpose isn't to make a lot of money. Uh, my purpose is to uh, help people, give them the tools to improve their own lives. So your question was uh, some specifics. Well, meditation is a good start. You need to sort of sit quietly, quiet your mind, and be able to focus on some things. Meditation is a good start for that. And I give some techniques for meditation. Typically, uh, meditation comes from Eastern connections where their purpose is to try to quiet the mind enough so that you can see and feel this connection you have with the world. Well, that's kind of metaphysical, and it isn't very exacting and gets you only so far. The next tool is self-hypnosis, which allows you to pull yourself down into a completely focused state. There's nothing really esoteric about self-hypnosis. It's just concentration, where you can focus on some specific and delve down, look at a problem area of your life, and sort down into what some of the specifics are with that. Coupled with that is a tool called idiomotor responses. And that can be either muscle twitches like a twitching finger or a pendulum, which is a tool used by psychologists to delve into the subconscious to ask specific questions. 
Um, let me give an example. One of the early things I started to deal with was uh, recurring colds because I was always subject to getting catching colds. Grew up in Pennsylvania where the winters were cold, and it seemed like I, I just caught one cold after the other. <clears throat> well, here I was, 30-something, living in San Diego where the climate's good and I'm grown up, and I'm still catching colds. Okay, well, if the body-mind connection works, let's take a look. So using a pendulum, I would query my subconscious. And uh, for me, holding a pendulum in my hand in front of me, uh, to start to use that, you question, you query your subconscious and say, give me a yes answer and just think yes. And the pendulum, with a little bit of practice, will start to deflect. In my case, it would go away from me and towards me, back and forth. That's a yes. That's a yes answer. But not other people maybe get, get something different, like the other way. Back and forth sideways was a no answer. So now you start to realize there's more to me. You know that you aren't moving your hand. And it's not some disincarnate spirit or spirit world. It's you. And you're just asking your subconscious. The difficulty is that we never learn that we've got a subconscious. You've got a huge store of information within your mind and it's all accessible to you, but mostly in our Western culture, we're cut off from that. We're cut off at this rational self and learn that we've got to manipulate the world out there to get it to work, when actually your lever is within, because it's your vast subconscious. And in there are, uh, is a great deal, all the things you ever learned, all these ideas and notions and definitions you were handed through school, in there are hopes and fears and joys and desires, and uh, the subconscious is quite a complex thing. But also stored in there are specific mechanisms that are leading you into problematic situations. That's what you want to find. So you can query the subconscious using the pendulum for yes or no answers in this fashion. Here I'm sitting quietly thinking to myself, I've got uh, recurring colds. This is an issue. So question the subconscious. Is this a good time to look at this particular problem? That's a good starter because you may want to take on bigger problems than you're ready for right now, and you kind of know that's not right, so you'd get a no answer. For example, to pick up a pendulum and start to work on why I'm always a failure in my career, that's a bit big of a problem. Start with simple stuff, allergies and, you know, simple little things in life. Okay, so I'd get a yes answer. Let's Let's look at my recurring colds. Well, okay, two of the mechanisms involved that I talk about in my, my website and my book are suggestion and emulation. We're told a lot of things when we're little kids. We're told what makes things happen. You're told by your parents, and here you are, a two-year-old, and your parents know everything, so stuff they tell you you think is true. Whoop, it gets built right into the subconscious. Emulation. We emulate people around us. We emulate older siblings. We emulate our parents, movie stars. Ultimately, we emulate other people. You, you know how quickly a, a, a new style comes in. If a movie star has a two-day growth of scruffy beard, now suddenly everybody's got a two-day growth of scruffy beard. We emulate people. Okay, suggestion and emulation. Two other key elements are motivation and punishment. Our parents, as I, I think I mentioned earlier here, would punish us for doing things that came natural to us but weren't deemed correct by them. Or they would motivate us to be what they wanted us to be. Uh, With my mother, I really had to be a goody-goody little boy that she wanted me to be in order to get the cookies and get, get rewarded and be treated well. 
Well, I wasn't like that. You know, I was adventurous. I've traveled a lot. You know, I, I, and girls were attractive from a very early age. And, you know, the, the neighbor girl and I had this neat little game we played that when my mother found out about it, she was really upset about. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> motivation and punishment. These are two key elements to your mindset. Uh, there are more, but the other two key ones are struggle and conflict. Conflict being where you want good things to happen in your life, but bad things happen. Struggle is you want good things to happen in your life and nothing happens. Uh, Leslie LeCrone, by the way, in his Elements of Inner Mechanisms, recognized conflict, but he didn't get into struggle. Struggle is a very insidious thing. You want to succeed in your work. You want to have good relationships. And you don't have, you know, you don't really fail. You don't, you don't have bad relationships, but it just, it doesn't ever really happen. That's struggle. Okay. So here I am looking at uh, my recurring colds. Using the pendulum, I would ask the pendulum, is um, suggestion involved with my recurring colds? Yes. Is emulation involved? No. Is motivation involved? I'd get a yes answer. Punishment? No. And, you know, going down through a list of several others, I had basically suggestion, motivation, and conflict. Well, conflict's easy. I want to be healthy. I'm getting sick. You know, I want to feel good. I'm feeling bad. That's, that's conflict. Suggestion. Tom, this is my mother telling me when I'm a three, four, or five-year-old. Tom, if you sit in a draft, you're going to catch cold. Well, I'm bald now. If I, if I had still <laughs> believed that, I'd be catching cold all the time because I carry a draft with me. Uh, Tom, if you get your feet wet when you go out, you're going to catch cold. If people sneeze or cough on you, germs are going to make you sick. You're going you're gonna to get sick. All that stuff was programming. So once in the subconscious, it becomes part of your means of relating to the world. It becomes part of what you manifest as a reality. Motivation. When I was sick, I got special treatment. I could, uh, my big brother didn't even pick on me, and my mother was very nice to me. I could, and then later you got to stay home from school. You know, I had tests coming up, and if you're sick, it's okay. It's, you're allowed to stay home. And even later in life, you can stay home from work. That's a positive reward for a negative situation. You know, work's really stressful. They want you to do this and that, and it's, they give you more workload than you can carry. And you don't want to take vacation days, and you can't get out of it. But if you're sick, it's perfectly legitimate to stay home. Motivation, a positive reward for a negative situation. So once I work through those, and you do that by auto-suggestion, as I said, the subconscious is like a slate. It's got a whole bunch of stuff written on it. You wipe out the old stuff that doesn't work right and uh, write in the new. I can see very clearly that getting my feet wet has nothing to do with being sick. I release that idea. I leave it in the past. I see that my mother taught me that. I don't need it anymore. I, I dispel it. And on down through the motivation, I can see that I was rewarded for being sick. I don't, leave the, I don't need that anymore. I leave that in the past. And I don't get sick anymore. I have a quick question in that process where you're, you're asking um, where you, there's a belief that you want to release. Do you ask for confirmation that it's willing to release it? it like if it's in your best, uh, your sub, does your subconscious believe that it's in your best interest to release that particular belief? That's a great question. Um, there's no barrier between you and your subconscious. There may be mitigating situations, which I think is what you're getting at. And let me, let me try to paraphrase it this way. Uh, recurring colds was pretty simple. Um, bad relationships is a very complicated thing. 
there may be numerous different elements within your subconscious that contribute to the same negative symptom, that symptom meaning an outer situation that's not desirable. So it's quite possible that when you find a root, an inner root to an outer situation that seems to be really the core of it and you get rid of it and it doesn't go away, there's more to deal with. There's more that you need to look at. I've never had a difficulty with my subconscious balking in a fashion, but I've kind of cleared the way for that on the way in by asking, is this a good time to look for that? Hmm. You see what I mean? Because you could bite off, you could try to bite off something bigger than you are currently ready to chew. The the process is sort of like this, Daniel, that you start out with simple little things, and once you've cleared away something inwardly and the symptom goes away outwardly, you gain confidence within the structure and your own uh, connection with the world, and then you take on a bigger thing. But you don't want to, like, overleap yourself. So it's always good to check beforehand, is this a, is this a good time to look at such and such? Okay. So I think, yeah, because I think the question you were asking was, uh, can you get into something where the subconscious doesn't want to deal with it? And I think I've bypassed that at the beginning by not getting into something that's too deep for you right now. Well, it's not necessarily that it doesn't want to deal with it, but possibly is there a benefit in your life somewhere else where it's a value? Like it arose from for some reason. You know, you asked if it's a, it a suggestion, is it just because of that acceptance of the suggestion, um, what's a good example? Uh, the idea of a secondary gain. Like, well, that's kind of motivation. That's where okay. you, you gain something on the other end for a loss now. You, you get a reward for a negative situation now. So that kind of comes out in the mix of recognizing motivation as one of the mechanisms. You see so, what I mean? so like, in, let's say just relationship for an example. So I have a predictable pattern inside a relationship where I withdraw. And my motivation there is to avoid pain. So I may create behaviors that push the person even further away. And in my unconscious or my subconscious, that behavior has a positive intent, mm-hmm. yet it has an unproductive result. Right. Uh, again, step-by-step uh, step, chipping away at it. Let's say the overall issue is bad relationships, and there may be even yet other factors tied in with it. So the best way I often liken it is to to peeling an onion, where you start to take out the first layer, and then you find another layer under it, and you get rid of that, and you find another layer under it, and pretty soon there's no onion left. The uh, But you have to kind of chip away from the outside in because of the complexity of it. We just have a couple more, about 15 minutes maybe, okay? But let's get through these other two parts of the process in that okay. time. So let's hit a couple of other things. So you've you've walked us through the identification part. Let's talk about the clearing. You said you said that you could just believe that if you sit in a draft or get your feet wet that you'll get a cold. You can just say thank you. That was a something that came up a long time ago from my mom when I was very young and I don't have to believe that anymore. Is it really that easy? Uh I said it was simple. I didn't say it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the here's the thing that you don't just do that once. You you know, my mother told me, who knows, 50, 100 times over the years, oh if you get your feet wet, you're going to catch cold. She made me wear these stupid ugly galoshes to school and I was embarrassed to wear these stupid things. Uh but you you heard it repeatedly, so it takes a while to kind of get rid of it. 
if the mind were so superficial that you could do that in one rendering, um, life would be much trickier. What you do is maybe for, uh, once you've identified this effect, the inner mechanisms to this outer issue, is you tell yourself that maybe two or three times a day over the course of a week or two. And I know from early on it took longer uh, to restructure the subconscious than later on once I got to see it, uh, it took much less repetition to clear it away. Like anything in life, you get better at it as you do it. But yes, that's a really pertinent question, Thomas, because you uh, you need to provide the same amount of neutralization as you got programming in the first place in a, in a fashion. Although now you're focused. And now, of course, if you've got a really good focus with your self-hypnosis, you're much more uh, cleanly and clearly dealing with the subconscious than in general daily life. So it's it's more effective than you know the fifty times my mother said, uh, "Sitting in a draft will make you sick." Once I recognize that, it might only take like a, a couple of weeks, once or twice a day, just to kind of restructure the subconscious. I was reading at my son's suggestion, Daniel. My son David is getting ready to start his career in a couple of weeks. Oh my gosh! We've been getting together, and he uh, he very wisely suggested that I go back and revisit Think and Grow Rich. So it's on the Kindle, and I was reading it on the plane coming back this morning and remembering that he talks about auto-suggestion with the element of emotion and the, and the emotions of love, faith, and then that emotion that is present basically with sex, as he says. Those are the three strongest human emotions. Mm-hmm. So when you take that auto-suggestion, combine it with love, faith, and then that just that passion, that burning, throw it up against the wall desire of sex. <laughs> that's the, that's some effective reprogram. Okay, step three, how do you create the new belief? Well, of the two elements, it's much more important to get rid of the negative one that you're just clearing away once you've identified it than to implant a new one because generally the new one is part of your persona to begin with. But it doesn't hurt to rewrite it. Uh, Let me kind of relate this back to the old notion of the power of positive thinking. Positive thinking is great, except that if you carry all the baggage of the negatives, all of these subconscious elements that you picked up, the suggestion and emulation and all that, carry it with you, there's really a limit to how much positive you can build in your life carrying a, a trainload of baggage of negative stuff with you. So the more important is to get rid of the negative. But it doesn't help to sweep the floor as you're going out the door that that you implant a a positive thing. I see very clearly that my sinuses work just fine. They aren't affected by my feet being wet. They aren't affected by germs. My sinuses work just fine. My nose works, and I'm healthy. That's what, uh, you know, to fill up the whole picture, eliminate the negative and replant the positive. So, yes, but of the two, getting rid of the negative is much more effective. Reminds me of the saying that uh, to cover up something with positive, to cover up that baggage, is like putting frosting on a mud pie. Yes, that's a, a good way to put it. You've got to get rid of the negative. And all of that is very similar. Uh, I was going to make a point earlier, but it kind of got sloughed away. Similar to the difficulty we've had in, if you consider our whole Western mindset of how we see the world and how we see ourselves, What happened through time is as new ideas were introduced to mankind, 
the old ones never got eliminated. That's why when Christianity was introduced into Europe through, you know, following the Roman Empire and on up through the Middle Ages, when Christianity was introduced, the old uh, pagan notions never went away. As science was introduced and rational thinking, starting in about 1600, Francis Bacon started to introduce empiricism, the scientific model. If you want to see how something works, test it. At about the same time, a little bit later in uh, the early uh, 16th century, or I'm sorry, 17th century, the 1600s, uh, Rene Descartes started to move towards rational thinking. If we want to understand how the world works, let's talk about it. Let's reason. Let's evaluate what we see and discuss it and try to make sense of it. Well, those two ways of thinking, empiricism and rationalism, those had to displace the old, old way of thinking called revelation. Revelation was that there's a great God out there. There's, he's, he's full of mysteries, and the only people that can tap into those mysteries are special prophets and seers and so forth, and our current, currently functional priesthood. They know all these secrets, but you don't. You know, you're just a common man. You don't know much of anything. So we need to have the truth revealed to us by special people. Well, that's revelation. That's a type of thinking that still dominates, obviously, much of our society, uh, not necessarily just Christianity, but old thinking. Well, the point is I'm trying to make that as revolution, uh, revelation got displaced by reason, rational thinking, and science, it never went away. We still have in the back of our mindsets, even if we no longer believe in a God, there's still this idea that there's some external force that's making things happen to us. And even if we still hold that idea, we still hold the idea that luck is in play, that luck might trump even whatever this God has in mind. And even if we have luck in mind, we might think chance is a function. If you start to evaluate them, they can't all be there mm-hmm. at the same time. Luck, as we were talking earlier, is a hearkening back to the Indian god Lakshmi, who was very much like the Roman god Fortuna. And we still have, and I've... Uh, make this point on occasion, that Fortuna still occupies our mindset. Uh, Fortunately, I wasn't on the plane that crashed. Well, did Fortuna dictate that you weren't going to be on that plane? Fortuna, 2,000 years later, still occupies our subconscious. Uh, And luck, luck again was Lakshmi, very similar, that you think luck is making things happen. Well, it isn't. It's you attracting patterns. And it looks like luck, because where did this come from? unexpectedly, well, it's part of the pattern. Look at the whole big pattern and you'll see it. Right. Or somebody's looking out for me or my guardian angel. All of those things, they're all built into our subconscious. Even as, just just as you said, little phrases that you pick up that you don't necessarily believe them if you look closely, but they're still, if you absorb it as a, a, you know, an old saw, an old saying, it's in your subconscious. And so subconsciously we relieve ourselves of responsibility for our lives and what shows up. That too. <laughs> and of course, just like the programming for the, uh, to get rid of these inner mechanisms to outer problems, you have to deprogram specifically and consciously. Tell yourself that luck is not a function of this reality. It isn't. You attract patterns and you, you have to shed that and f- fortune and fate and chance just like any other notion that you hold. Otherwise, you, you, you continue on seeing the world through the blinders of those beliefs, not clearly as, as it exists and as you manifest it from your own basic 
like total set of uh, of subconscious elements. So, Tom, as we wrap up, how would you say is the best way for someone to involve themselves in this work? Take, for them to really take a look, you know, go to the website. Yeah. Uh, how do they get a copy of your book? Is it on oh, Amazon? It's, it's on Amazon. Uh, they can order one through my website, but uh, sometimes Amazon sells them cheaper than I do. But if they order one from me, I write a little note in it. Um, yeah, and uh, again, they can check out my website. It has the basics. Uh, I would mention quickly that my second book, The Psyche Exposed, goes deeper yet that uh, a lot of the steps I had to take early on to clear away things, I uh, made notes of and wrote that into the psyche exposed. So it'll go even deeper. Uh, And also I look at philosophical ideas that were introduced so that people can begin to identify what they actually believe. Mm. You know, the the mindset can be a jumble of all of these old things I've already mentioned, luck, fate, chance, uh, that your mother-in-law is making your life miserable, that the you know, the government, that whatever it is, you, you project causality out there when it's, it's you. So could someone just go to Psyche Exposed and, and start from there? You could, but I, I would recommend starting with the essence of reality. Uh, when I wrote Psyche, I gave a, like a quick review of the basics so that you could pick up Psyche and not feel like you missed something from essence. But they, the two do belong together. And when I get to my fourth book, it will build on top of that yet as well. I would think that uh, just with my experience of Essence of Reality, that there's some essential fundamental practices or uh, exercises just to move through that give you a lot of insight that you could apply in the second book. I would think, I would hope that that's the case. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you, Tom, for being here today. I'm so happy that you're in the Dallas area. And later on today, you'll be speaking to the DFW Ions, which is a little pet project of mine. And I loved the conversation that we had last night, a little wine, great dinner, and very stimulating conversation. I could literally talk to you for weeks on end. Yeah. And as you well know, once you get me started, I can, uh, the, the other end, that would be me talking. So, Why don't we yeah. get a micro bus and let's just the three of us yeah. hit the road for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Are you Absolutely. game? Absolutely. Hit the road. <laughs> Good. Well, there are some new techniques for you about programming the subconscious mind. The books, again, are called The Essence of Reality and The Psyche Exposed. And if you'd like to find out more about Daniel's group, if you're in the DFW area, the IONS meetups that are on every Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, uh, you can go to the subconsciousmindmastery.com website, and I'll put a link there. And you can also go to meetup.com and search DFW IONS, I-O-N-S. Thank you so much for listening, Scratchy Throat and all. We will be back with part two of our conversation with Tom. Completely different subject, completely different topic. His book, The Illusion of Truth, it's all about Christianity. Can it hold water? Does it hold water? Where are the flaws? And what is the real message? That will be podcast number 73. We'll see you on the other side. Thank you for listening. I'm Thomas Miller. Enjoy the journey. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner.
The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.